Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Our adventure today is a thrilling one. (laughs) You'll see what I'm saying. When we're talking with Jesse Armstrong, she's the director of marketing and fan experience with Thrill One uh, Sports and Entertainment. Jesse, how are you doing today? Good. Thank you guys for having me. Excited to be here. Now, for those who haven't heard of Thrill One Sports and Entertainment, previously Super Jacket Productions, uh, tell us a little bit about Thrill One. Yeah, so Thrill One's kind of an all, a parent company, all-encompassing um, for everything action, sports, and entertainment. So we have our Nitro Circus property that's more sport and entertainment. You guys are probably more familiar with that. Back in the day on MTV, um, now a touring property, amongst a ton of other things. We've got Street League Skateboarding, which is the premier skateboarding league, um, just really around the world, kind of the gateway to the Olympics for skating. Um, we also have our newly launched property, Nitro Rallycross. Um, which is kind of, you know, retaking the space of everything that is Rallycross in the industry, um, kind of turning it on its head a little bit. And then we also got Super Jacket Productions that does um, ridiculousness on MTV, all that good stuff. So kind of a, a four-pronged parent company, if you will, that has a bunch of different stuff and really everything in action sports, entertainment and beyond. So a lot of stuff there, you know, yeah. and, and obviously, you know, you, is, is this something that came natural to you? Did you kind of live in this in this thrill one world? It's funny because by most standards and anyone who knows me, typically not the girl getting on the back of a dirt bike. Right. Like we are not <laughs> I'm not skateboarding somewhere off some ramp somewhere like that is so kind of far fetched from my natural ability in terms of at least like my lifestyle. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like the community and being welcome into this action sports community, what this entertainment scope kind of intersected was really where like I came in, right? Having the background and in, in going from an entertainment perspective and a little bit of traditional sports and kind of marrying, you know, those two entities, if you will, into what this, what this property is. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you on today because, you know, you kind of have a very unique position and I think a lot of us have have dealt maybe with done a nitro circus in the past or or, you know, a little, you know, dip their toes into the water a little bit. But for those let's let's talk to that person right now who's totally like I have no idea what what even rally crossed is. Let's 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 go ahead and break it down a little bit because we got the time. Uh, and I think, you know, it's, again, a lot of us may find ourselves in the position of, of marketing one of these events. So let's start there. What, what's Rallycross? So Rallycross, if you think of just general car racing, right? So you think of your Indy cars, your NASCAR, your F1s, like that layer of car racing, right? Rallycross is really the intersection of where those regulated kind of sports and those kind of very cut and dry competition formats come with this new age of of entertainment meaning you've got tracks that you do um you know jump overs we've we've built like a dirt ramp in the middle of these tracks that when they're racing these laps it's not circular it's not street style it's a little bit of everything it's all terrain 
you get kind of unparalleled competition. You get drivers from all these different, you know, higher class or higher profile racing entities that kind of come in, come into the sport. Um, but it's really kind of something that encompasses just the craziest thing you've ever seen. If you want to see a car fly, that's what rallycross is. And I think what's really unique to Nitro Rallycross is that it's even in the rallycross space, right? It's something that's brand new. So we're not even, we're going to these tracks and we're building tracks. We're not using any existing infrastructure. Everything that we go into these, you know, these venues, these areas, these markets is, is brand new. And what's very interesting about racing in general is they have different heats and different levels of cars. So you've got, you know, we've got our supercars and we've got like our next generation cars and these different classes of cars, but then you also get, you know, different terrain. So whether, you know, they're going to be driving over dirt or asphalt or grass or ice, whatever that looks like, it's kind of an all-terrain sport. This year, we're actually getting into um, electric cars, which is very exciting. So it's kind of the next evolution of even what racing is, right? So you go from just completely combustion, those type of cars, like running and gunning and doing that typical format. And now you've got this next level of really pushing the industry of what's the standard for racing in general. So now we've got electric cars that we're debuting in our, in our um, series this year. It's going to be very big. It's very exciting. A property like that, you know, is really, it's global in its nature, right? You've got all these racing entities from Finland, from Sweden, from, you know, all over Europe that really, one, love and idealize the sport that is now coming to the U.S., something completely different. I think we're used to a little bit more you know, formats that make sense of like, Hey, like we know we're going to watch, you know, these, this NASCAR race do like a hundred laps in five minutes or whatever it is. Right. Right. right, uh, right. And now you're getting that opportunity to see these cars, like do some gnarly turns, do these crazy jumps. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, what am I watching? But it's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So really exciting stuff for sure. It's kind of like the fast and furious effect on <laughs> racing, if you will. I would say like, you, you know, you have, you hit right on it really well in that traditionally when you think of car racing, it is these sort of circular tracks or F1 or Indy tracks that are kind of just, you have a lap, it's all asphalt. You're kind of racing in a certain loop and rally. The thing I, I love from what I have watched of it at different competitions, X games or whatever is, you know, it is sort of like taking it up that extra level and turning it into more of an action sport versus just a traditional racing sport. And how do you add jumps in and how do you, you know, add drifting and, and like all these kind of cool things that probably when you love the Fast and Furious franchise, they popularized, you know, and totally. I, I also love too, and maybe you can hit on this uh, as well, but one of the great things about it is because it is bleeding over into action sports it seems like there's all these people that may have been previous action sports athletes that were doing other sports that have now like dipped their toe in a rally. Like I know Travis Pastrana did it right. And uh, a number of other people. So it's kind of like allowing them to, whether they're stepping away from other sports they've been in or they're trying to explore other ones, it's kind of this almost a uh, gateway drug into racing, if you will, uh, or, and probably from the other side too, is if it's, for instance, like a NASCAR driver is kind of wondering, you know, I'd, I'd like to do something with a little more, you know, excitement or like add some jumps in, what does that even look like? They might not be able to get on a dirt bike and go off a ramp, but they're like, I know driving. So maybe I can 
you know, I like, I love that crossover there. Yeah. I mean, it's so cool, right? They've got a crossover and then you got a Joker lap and they're all kind of intermean. So at one point we've got this like phenomenal photo where you have cars driving underneath and cars jumping over. And it's like, just the epitome of like what insane racing is. Although it's like so action and so different. And I feel like so out there, it's also super technical, just listening to how the drivers actually communicate. Okay. Like, well, if you hit this jump at this speed, you have to go like this far or else you're going to like hit the back or you're going to have problems with your car, you know, whatever it is. But it's so interesting of like, okay, how much wind plays a factor and how much all these other things that with these other, you know, I wouldn't say we're not formal. We're very formal. It's a very much a professional sport, but you know, with all these other tracks, you don't really have to worry about the wind component. You don't really have to worry about, Hey, if it's, you know, dewy outside on this one turn, how is that going to affect my racing time? How is that going to affect how I take these turns? And I mean, maybe to some degree it does. Right. But it's just so interesting to hear them talk about it. I remember there's this one race where we're sitting out in the middle of, um, Glen Helen in Southern California. And I'm just like, these winds could not be any stronger. And just to listen to how these guys were like, all right, let's take this situation. Let's adapt to it. And let's reintroduce this format of how we're going to make everyone still successful and still perform to the best of our abilities is, is insane. Like true, true professional athletes, I will say. <laughs> Have you gotten in a car yet? Because I think that'd be my fear, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to help you right. market this event. And they're like, oh yeah, but yeah, climb on in. Oh my gosh. I actually got in the fir- the electric car that they debuted. They, they made this uh, crazy, it's called the FC1X, crazy electric car that they brought over to the office before they shipped it out to Europe to go testing for it. Um, I sat in it and I was just like, this is insane. There's like, you almost feel like you're in like a mini spaceship and there's like no infrastructure in there. <laughs> I'm like, where's everything go? Can I hold on to something? Like... <laughs> I'm sitting so low. I'm like, how do these guys see? It's crazy. It's crazy. The real, the combustion cars. Oh my gosh. Like let's talk about the speed of these things. Like I think it's like zero to six or zero to hundred, something like that in like an astronomically low amount of seconds. And I'm like, these people have done like ride alongs and we've done cool things, media, et cetera. I'm like, I don't even know how you guys get in that car because I would be like just skin and bones after that. I would be terrified. Just absolutely crazy. So, so we're we, super you know, excited. I think we all know a little more about Rallycross now. Yeah. Let, let's talk a little about, about Street League skateboarding. Yeah. So Street League is just, it's such a cool sport. It's so integrative um, in terms of like what skating is now, right? We think way back in the day of just the street style skating when everything really started to come come to fruition with different types of ramps. And then you've got the whole integration of how you know, the Tony Hawks of the world made it super mainstream and kind of everything, what we've know about skateboarding today kind of comes from that history. Street League skateboarding is now kind of bringing that super professional, like league standpoint to the sport saying, okay, like these are, you know, sanctioned formats that everyone can kind of apply themselves to. It's super inclusive. We've got men's and women's divisions, essentially kind of going from different heats of how we do, um, different style like tricks and runs and how they approach really approach like the ramps and the course in general so you got you know all of our the very well-known names of skating that has been in this property such as like paul rodriguez you've got the niger houston's of the worlds and you got you know 
amazing women that come from all over the world to be in this sport. Raisa Liel is one of them who's really up and coming and she's so young and so talented. It really is this sport that gives everyone who's, you know, this, this very high level degree of athlete to come down, skate these ramps that are custom formatted every single tour. I would say tour. I call, I call everything a tour, every single event that they go to, um, everything's super custom. So whether we're indoor, outdoor, different elements, all this crazy stuff, I mean, being in, I will say from never having to being in involved in any like skateboarding, anything, whatever, right. Being in this crowd and watching how dedicated these fans are to this sport is like insanity. I'm like, this is the most electric crowd. And I've been to shows of all kinds at this point in my life. Right. right. But it is like the most electric crowd I've ever been a part of. And like, these are diehard fans and it's just, it's so cool to be there. It's so cool to watch. Well, you mentioned that it's kind of become this feeder into the Olympics because now we have skateboarding street in the Olympics as a sport. And, and so I think that just, I don't want to say legitimizes the sport, but it sort of uh, elevates it to another level. And I think, I think that's important for it to all grow. I actually just watched the Tony Hawk documentary a couple of weeks ago, which was really fascinating. And part of it's explaining sort of the growth of skateboarding, the evolution and how it always does this sort of uh, rise and fall of popularity, but how in more yeah. recent years, it's sort of stabilizing and more of like a continual growth. And some of that stuff has to do with these tours that are touring around and it being in the Olympics because it's becoming sort of more, you know, more of like a recognizable thing to your average family, your average person that sees this just as a, any other sport, like any other right. thing. So I think it's kind of cool how you all are bridging that gap a little bit between the Olympics and making sure that the sport stays relevant. Totally. And it's, it's very distinct departure from what I think everyone used to categorize skateboarding as right. Is like this more like wild child taboo type lifestyle. And now you're bringing it into this professional environment and saying, Hey, we're kick-ass. We're doing cool things. And like now we're in the Olympics. Right. And we have even some of the gold medalists from the skateboarding Olympics in our, in our events. Right. It's just right. like that next level of what this, this sport is. And honestly, what it, what it has so much potential to continue to be going forward. So skateboarding, you never knew it, but Hey, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> hey, now, a lot of us do know a little bit about nitro circus, but a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. So talk to us about nitro circus and kind of what it is and, and kind of where it's at in, in 2022. Yes. So nitro circus was kind of, you know, a little bit more of my baby, right? The entry point into this action sports world is where I started with Nitro Circus. So Nitro Circus is full scope action sports entertainment. Everything you can think of from one, the acts that are in it, right? Meaning like all these different athletes, we've got freestyle motocross, we've got BMX, we've got skate, scooter, and our my personal favorite is contraptions. So basically the scope of our show is depending on, you know, the venue, kind of where we tour this property around the world, we've got a different scale of ramps that these various athletes hit throughout the show, right? So we've got this like FMX setup. We've got um, our, we call it our Gigana ramp. So that's about five stories high. It's like Whoa. 60 feet or something crazy. Don't quote me on that, but I swear to God, it's <laughs> at least 60 feet. <laughs> and it is like the most insane thing. And they put on the most amazing show. It's 
basically, so you've got all this encompassing really high level professional action sports athletes in these different disciplines that are kind of putting on a full scope show that you've got, you know, a full LEP, you've got a full production, you've got these fun music elements, these fun fan integration moments um, that really just showcases the best of what action sports is, right? You've seen in the action sports space, different verticals of like, okay, what FMX is, or let's go to this BMX competition, or let's see skate, or let's see whatever. And with Nitro Circus, you get everything in one. With that contraptions, let's talk about that for a second, because it's so funny. So they, these guys will build the craziest contraptions that they send down these ramps that are like, again, like five stories high. Like I have scaled up, first off, I've scaled up the side of these ramps and it's like, first off, I'm afraid of heights. So that's terrible. Have you slid <laughs> down the ramp, Jesse? Have you just like, like, no, because I'm, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like the most easy integration. They're like, all right, like, Everyone at one point in your career at Nitro, like you've got to just get a rug and go down the ramp. Like you just have to do yeah. it. I will like, I will try one of these days. I've just gone to the top and like held on for dear life because I'm like <laughs> the, the steps to get up the, the ramp are so small and they're not wide steps. Oh, so it's like, you yeah. almost feel like you're tiptoeing up there. And then the platform before you drop in is like tiny. And I'm like, how do these guys carry up? BMX bikes and contraptions up here. Like, I don't even understand how the space fits and like how you're not falling over. <laughs> <laughs> but they build these, like, we've jumped all types of things. Like we've jumped like trash cans and whiskey barrels and mini VW buses and jet skis and snowboard. I mean, literally anything you can think of that will put wheels on, these guys will send it down a ramp. It's, it's crazy. So the show itself is so electric. We've really updated the performance of it every single year, every, every single time we tour. It's a little bit of a twist on what probably you guys have known from the MTV, from the, from the show, bringing all that craziness, camaraderie mixed in with professional action sports athletes. And it's just outrageous. They've been touring for, I think, you know, about a little over 10 years now, probably closer to 15 um, just around the world. So we have a really big presence globally as well. So like Australia is huge, huge, huge for this property. Um, same with the New Zealand, we've toured Europe, of course, all across North America. It's crazy. I mean, tour legs of at least 20 stops this year, probably going to be more than that, really just adapting to every different type of environment and culture and countries and all that good stuff. So it's really, it's really come full circle. And the good thing about Nitro Circus as well is we've got this strong touring entity, but it's also, we've got our crazy media team that pushes out crazy content. We do TV shows, we do specials, all that good stuff. And then we're also putting more properties under the fold of what Nitro Circus is. So Nitro Circus as an action sport entertainment property, but also bringing in, we've got this specialty event called Nitro World Games. That's going to be in Brisbane and Australia this year. And with that, it's actually more of more comparable to what you guys know as an X Games, right? You've got all these different disciplines, all different action sports athletes at these higher level competition style stakes event, right? So every sure. athlete from all over the world gets invited to this event. And it's a little bit more competition style versus Nitro Circus is a little bit more um, entertainment. Yeah. So. It's, it's an insane property. <laughs> is it mostly 
arenas or stadiums or is it really just a mix of all different size buildings that it tours around to it's a mix so we've in our in our past we've done a lot of arena tours i'm sure some of you guys even some of you guys listening have have had us at your buildings um right now we're doing stadium tours so we're doing a lot of minor league baseball uh stadiums right now um and then even like expanding to i think some on some of our um tour this year we've got some soccer stadiums we've got some canadian football league stadiums we got a couple different things in the mix and it really is dependent on okay it's summer let's bring this thing outdoors because outdoors for us means bigger ramps bigger opportunity bigger air indoors just means a lot more of tricks variations still you get the big impact um, but it's just a different it's a different show because you're bringing it indoors so sure so Jesse, uh, you know, you are you are the director of marketing and fan experience over all that stuff for Thrill One. Yes. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that you started off, you know, kind of with Nitro Circus just as a marketing assistant. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about your time with kind of Nitro Circus moving up with them and then moving up to where you're at now with Thrill One. And, you know, kind of, you know, what your job entails uh, these days. Yeah, so got super lucky. I mean, well, I would say first shout out to you guys. I had my internship at EAMC. <laughs> I think it yeah. was in 2016. Nashville, right? In Nashville. Yes. It was the best time ever. So kudos to you guys for kind of helping, <laughs> you know, bridge that gap for me there. But yeah, I mean, starting off with Nitro Circus and what seems like, gosh, you guys, I mean, 2018, not that far ago or not that long ago, I should say. But in nitro years, I promise you that is about 20 (laughs) years of experience. Nitro years, I like that. Yeah, nitro years ages you beyond. I can't even comprehend. So yeah, starting off as marketing assistant, I was such a sponge, right? Just kind of understanding what the landscape of action sports is, right? Being welcomed into the community and also like being in a first, like not first, I was like my second job at the time, but really being in this professional environment where you're having to deal with all these different personalities and different types of people. And I was like, almost so, which is so anti my personality, but so quiet. So just like, you know, absorbing everything, trying to learn as much as I could. And I remember even after, after my first year, I was there still marketing assistant and making my way to coordinator. And I remember one of our, um, one of my coworkers goes, Oh, wow, you do talk. And I was like, of course I do. What do you mean? Like if you um, only knew me outside of work. I know. I was like, um, clearly that is not my personality, but here we go. So that kind of launched me to be like, oh, wait, like maybe I'm being a little bit more timid and not kind of, you know, being my like natural, just very out there self. Right. So that was interesting. I think I learned so much in after that, moving into coordinator and then kind of into the more manager manager roles over time, I got a really unique opportunity to kind of really grow fast. We were moving, like we had a lot of internal transitions between my time at Nitro Circus. So I had ability to, you know, I was reporting directly to to the head of marketing instead of doing, you know, as, as as a coordinator, instead of doing, okay, you go to a manager and then a director, et cetera, et cetera. So I got the ability to kind of grow into these roles because we were changing so much as a company. And so over time, I'm like picking up these skills and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm doing this job and this job and this job. And so over time, once, you know, Nitro Circus got um, underneath the Thrill One umbrella, then I was like, whoa, 
you know, I've been managing all these tours for Nitro Circus globally already. I've been in Australia and New Zealand and Europe and North America. And now I get to not only keep doing that, but adding a layer into what is Street League and now what is Nitro Rallycross and expanding those properties. So it just became craziness adding in two more brands um, into the fold and kind of still doing all the tour marketing just for Nitro Circus, um, you know, moving forward. So within that time, we really got great leadership in the building. Great. I say in the building, but you guys know what I mean. Not my particular <laughs> building, but in the building, the building air quotes. The metaphorical right? yeah. building. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. We got great leadership that kind of really directed, you know, the ship of what this whole business was. And for me, that meant taking on more responsibility. That meant it's not now it's not just marketing. Like let's throw in ticketing there and see how you do. Let's throw in, um, doing a lot more. I mean, even during COVID, I did this like small BMX demo tour with Walmart and Red Bull and created our own mini footprint touring entity that, you know, was from nothing when no one was really doing anything. So that was like the first like mini action sports tour that was out ever. I mean, I say ever, but whatever for COVID, anything goes, I guess. At that time. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now it's, it's kind of like, okay, I'm still overseeing all these different properties in all these different countries. Um, we've got a nitrous nitrous circus has probably, I mean, we'll end up having at least 40 plus stops this year. Street league has four signature events. Rallycross has about 10 and then we've got our specialty properties. So I oversee all the marketing for that. Um, and now exclusively adding into the VIP and premium, um, to my plate as well. So I'm building out all new VIP opportunities and experiences for all these different properties that we've really haven't had before. Or if we've had it, taking it to the next level of what premium experiences mean to one, our fans, but how we even market this show, what's the desire outside of just, you know, the offering that is the product, right? So adding in that type of stuff, there's there's a ton of layers to, th to this job that I hold here. <laughs> Jesse, I'm, I'm I'm worn out just for you. I, I now I'm understanding what a nitro year, um, yes. <laughs> nitro year is. Hey, take us back to um, you know the little mini tour that you put together because I think you know over over that time uh, the the pandemic dark ages, if you will. You know we're all trying to figure out how to do things. Walk us through kind of what happened to you uh, at that time, and then kind of the genesis of this this tour and how how you kind of got it out there and rolling. Totally. So obviously, like everyone else, we kind of experienced that dip in. Wow. Like we don't have events anymore. Like what, what is this next phase of the business look like? Where are we going to grow? How are we going to come back from this? So for us, it was internalizing, okay, well, we're really good with media and content. Like let's lead with that footprint. Second to that, how else can we still involve our athletes? How can we still, cause right on our roster, then we have X amount of athletes who are now out of work because we're not on tour. So we're like, okay, like how else do we incorporate athletes in our kind of partnerships and keeping all those good things kind of circulating and still having a same synergy over this COVID period. So we came up with our, our BMX first year was our drive-in style tour. So it was very COVID safe, COVID friendly. But what we did is we took our smaller portable ramp um, from what I would like to call like our stunt division team brought that out in partnership with Walmart and Red Bull and put on this drive-in event where, you know, we regulated it and we had, we still had a form of ticketing. It was a free event. 
Um, but we worked it out to where we can have exposure for all of these different brands and still give a people a reason to come out to the show and see something that, you know, otherwise you're just sitting in your home. So we were lucky enough to go across, I would say mostly the Midwest, um, that first COVID year doing these different drive-ins. We probably did about 20 different stops, did about two shows a day for, you know, a couple of different weekends. Um, and really kind of just brought action sports back to the community. And I think that's really what we repositioned ourselves with. Okay. Like we've got these big action sports entertainment properties. How else are we integrating back with our everyday community that like, isn't going to have a chance and maybe might not have a chance for years to come to experience something like this. How can we, you know, at least go back to our roots a little bit. So we started off with a demo drive-in and then it went kind of really far from there. So then year number two, it was no longer a drive-in. It was like, Hey, get as close as you can <laughs> to the edge of this bike rack and watch what's happening. Um, I think it was something that's really empowered one, the guys and the team, and it was really good energy for us to kind of bring this small ramp on the hitch to the back of this truck, moving it around all across the U S just to go, um, bring, you know, action sports back to people who really want to see it at the end of the day. So it was really special for us. It was, it was challenging, you know, to have this mini production of everything. I was like, I'm handling all the, like the logistics and the operations and the marketing and the, this and the, that. And it's really was awesome because I was able to get my hands fully around what a mini tour would be and really execute that. And now our team does a fantastic job bringing that to different sponsors and to different people alike and kind of activating that, um, on the behalf of our company. But yeah, it was, it was, it was really cool. And also I've seen parts of this great nation. You never thought I would see. <laughs> what uh, kind of places were you all playing? Was it parking lots? Was it Walmart? I know you mentioned yeah. Walmart was involved. Mm -hmm. So it was in Walmart parking lots. So wow. yeah, so we brought it all to all these different parking lots and oh my gosh, you guys, I've been, I drove from like Oklahoma to Arkansas to, I mean, I just two lane roads. <laughs> yes, I have seen this beautiful countryside. <laughs> Never thought I would make my way all across Oklahoma, all the way down to Arkansas. Like I just, it was just so funny. <laughs> so, how much traveling do you do these days? You know, I know. Sorry, you heard you mention you know New Zealand, Australia. Are you mostly based uh, in California, or are you uh, doing a lot of uh, traveling with the tour? It's a little bit of a mix. So we've got some great full-time employees that work across the globe, um, but I do travel to a lot of these events most often domestically. So everything kind of in the U.S. is kind of my main priority um, because we do have people on the ground in Australia who activate on behalf for everyone else. But yeah, I mean, traveling is pretty much like June is kicking off tours for three properties. So we've got Rallycross, SLS, and Nitro Circus all hitting in the same month. So I will be a very busy girl going across the country for those stops. And maybe even internationally, we've got rally crosses starting in um, the UK this year in, in June. So pretty much globally, but US. Um, so I'll probably at least be traveling like, you know, at least one weekend a month at minimum for the rest of the year. So it's, it's a pretty packed schedule. So yes, bringing all the way back to one year at Nitro and Thrill One is about like four years somewhere else. So <laughs> It's kind of cool, though. You probably see a lot of different countries. I mean, what's that like outside of work? Has it been pretty uh, 
unique experience just to, or you know even different states you know you totally. growing up in California you probably are mostly exposed to that state and so yes. you know what's that been like kind of just traveling the world outside of work I mean it's been it's been honestly pretty cool I will say like the one good thing is that you know because we're such a small company and we do all these crazy large events like everyone gets pretty close it's like a family on the road so we work extremely hard but everyone likes to party even harder so there is a fantastic balance from that degree and i will say the one thing i always try to do wherever i go is i'm a total crazy girl and i love to pre-plan like the best food places to go i'm talking like i want five stacks of pancakes with all the berries and the everything on it i want the picture i want the good taco from like i don't even know southern texas whatever you got for me i've got it so yeah it's been super fun and and very exciting so jesse you know you you talked about you know obviously quite a lot of experiences there and and one of the things you know that you know it, it sounds like you know obviously a great experience there with nitro but it was some work to get there and I, I just going to run through this real quick. You know, you spent, you mentioned obviously your, your time uh, as an intern for EAMC, but you know, you were a promotions intern uh, with a, with a, uh, a baseball club and you did a promotions internship with IEVM and uh, uh, you all Polestar, you were a conference volunteer and, you know, even, you know, you know we're in a big, big chunk of time as, you know, a lead sports marketing intern uh, with the Cal Poly uh, athletics department. So a lot of time, a lot of internships, a lot of experience. So what do you think you took away from all that that kind of helped you, you know, to where you are today? Totally. Yeah. So I think with that, I think it's so important to try different things and to get out there and have all these different experiences. For me, it was, I was so hungry while I was in college. I'm like, okay, I'm getting my degree, but how else can I end up, you know, in the sports world, where can I kind of find what makes the most sense for me? And Funny enough, like I ended up, even though I was an intern, I was running this entire department by myself <laughs> while I was in college for athletics, running these games, managing all these other interns and these people. And then I kind of was like, okay, well, I'm good at this. Like, let's now dip my toes a little bit more into the entertainment industry. And that's where, you know, you guys come in EMC and going to IAVM and doing things like that and doing the Pulsars and kind of experiencing, okay, I like the sports. I like entertainment. How does that all kind of come together? And I will say I am a nose to the grind type of gal. I work very, very hard to have all these different moments of experience because I very much appreciate the continuously learning pattern of really everything. So for me, I'm like, okay, great. I get to learn about this and this. I even did um, for a little bit, uh, I did like field marketing for a water bottle company in, in LA. And I was like, okay, well, this isn't sports or entertainment, but it's it's, it's active lifestyle. I did a lot of like, um, I would say like health and fitness type related elements when I worked with them. And I was like, you know, not sure <laughs> that makes sense for me. So then after kind of pivoting that and I, you very quickly learn right after you have all these elements of experience that you dip your toes in that, okay, you know, I can go here for a little bit, but eh, it's, it's not, it's not doing the job for me. Um, so very quickly after that, once I got into the nitro space, it was honestly just a really match made in heaven for me, um, being involved in both of these worlds. And I think 
you know, really going through these different experiences and meeting you guys and all these different people in the industry, which is so important to my job. It's not only do I do all this marketing and this crazy stuff, but I also heavily depend on all these relationships I have with the venues and with everyone else in this space. And it's like, that is kind of my bread and butter. I love chatting with people. I will probably talk to you all day if I could, just because I have a problem, not (laughs) stop talking. (laughs) I have no problem inserting myself in a conversation and saying, Hey guys, I'm here. Let's chat. (laughs) Um, So I think all of those things kind of really, you know, mold you into kind of what this industry is now. Right. Like, so for me, it's been super nice to, to be able to work with all different types of people and in different types of environments and really like challenge me to kind of find, you know, my voice, my power, what I like, what I don't like and saying, Hey, here's my opinion. Let's talk about it. (laughs) Well, you talk about your voice and your power and it obviously, you know, you've got a lot of confidence and I, I love that you talked about how, you know, at first you were kind of, you know, quiet there on the job, but have you, have you, are there any challenges that come along with being a, you know, a younger woman in the Mm -hmm. action sports world? Yes. That is probably one of the biggest things I get feedback on constantly is how old are you again? Oh, my kids are older than you. And like, I'm like, listen, folks, I understand. It's it's kind of jarring to have someone that's young in this. Also, action sports is a male dominated industry. Then you're not only that, but you're the promoter coming into these different areas where they're like, where, you know, you have people that are like, Hey, I've been at this building for 20 years. Like I know what I'm talking about, of course right. you do. <laughs> but at the end of the day, so do I. Right. And it's so, it's so interesting because I'm like, it's, it's not a, a matter of constantly proving myself, but it's a matter of like, okay, well, let's talk about, you know, you didn't know what I looked like when we were talking and now, now we're having lunch together and you feel like you're having lunch with your kid. <laughs> and I'm like, no, <laughs> There's a reason I'm here. There's a reason I've worked so hard to be where I'm at. Um, so I would say for me, like, that's kind of like the main challenge outside of really just make, you know, breaking, I would say, even the boundaries of what marketing and action sports is in general. But yeah, for me, like, that's something that I've kind of worked, worked hard to kind of at least combat a little bit and be like, sure. I, I understand it's jarring. It's not usual to see someone like me coming up to you with these big ideas, these big strategies, these big, you know, implementations of how we're going to execute things. But at the end of the day, it's me that's getting the job done and, and it's tooting my own horn. It's done well. So I don't know. I would just say that like for anyone that's maybe younger listening to this to like just keep doing your thing, trust in yourself. And that's like one of the biggest takeaways I've got is like, of course, but you know, of course you're, you're looked at a certain way, but at the end of the day, like, you know, what you bring to the table, you know, what your own value is. And if you trust yourself and keep, you know, educating everyone on, on one, your experience, but also like to the knowledge that you've got, like there, there's no losing. So it's been interesting, but <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> I, it. Yeah. And I also wanted to ask you about, you know, the challenges of, of marketing globally versus domestically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a huge difference. It's adapting to culture, adapting to how even like, I, I still have to buy media in Australia. And what does that look like? How do I right. understand what's going on in the market? How do I know the right type of mediums? Okay. Well, Australia isn't as far along in terms of like the, you know, the marketing mix that the U S is. So for them, things like 
print is still pretty active. Like they're not really yet shifting that landscape of, you know, how we've gone super digital with all the marketing stuff in the US. So, so it's one learning of where this country is at, what they're comfortable with. And then also how they react to the pandemic is completely different to how the US right. reacts to the pandemic. So, okay, now we've got that extra layer of, of caution, of government regulations, of all these different things, of learning how to pivot and to implement different things from different angles that I would never activate in the US. So I think for me, learning those different markets really started when I was like, in my marketing assistant days where I was activating like grassroots level promotions and finding these partnerships um, across Australia. I did that pretty exclusively for a long time. And so it allowed me to at least understand these different types of people, how they live their lifestyle, what they gravitate towards, how they speak to one another is just different, right? So I think really navigating and God bless, like I have great colleagues and partners in different parts of the world that I'm like, thank God for you guys. Because if I didn't even have someone to be like, what does this mean <laughs> over there? Like I would be lost, right? Yeah. I mean, some tour marketing people are, yes. you know, they're so reliant justifiably on local markets and thinking, oh man, I, there's a big difference between Wisconsin and Illinois and Illinois and Indiana, but, you know, talk about Illinois and Sydney, you know, like that's a, that's a very big leap, you know, and, and I'm sure you're extremely reliant on those local people because like you said, it's not like a state to state or city to city. It's just totally different country. So, I mean, I think that's like one of the beauty of the things is I've been able to take you know, the bull by the horns and really create these custom marketing campaigns for all these different places. But at the end of the day, I get on the phone with the venue and I'm like, hey guys, like you guys are the experts. Here's my plan. Here's how I want to activate everything in your market. Here's what I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. What do you guys think? Tell me what I should change. Tell me how I can adapt for you guys. Tell me at the end of the day, how our content, how we're going to market and how the creative comes through. Does that even make sense for you guys? What can I do to change things to make make your jobs easier, but make you guys even more excited to represent us, you know, coming in and really taking, like, we're not just any tour, we're, we're a tour that we want to appeal to, you know, the local audience. We want to make sure that you guys feel like you have a stake in this, and this is not just another tour coming through your, your building, through your stadium. Um, so it's been very interesting because I learn way, way too much, but in a good way, right? Like... <laughs> So many different people have so many different feedback and I'm like, all right, what's your top 10 like slang words that you guys use? How can I use that in my marketing? <laughs> it's very different, but it's, but it's very cool. It's, it's a lot to stay on top of uh, yeah. and, and good for you for, for being able to do it. So what do you, what do you do for fun? What do you, when you, when you need to get away from all this, uh, what, what do you like to do? You know, I don't stray too far. Unfortunately, I am, what am I, what am I doing? I'm going to concerts. I still go to action sports events. I still go to like on Sunday, I did a angels game and a ducks game. I did two, two professional games in one day. Who does that? I do that. You know, I'm, I'm all about, um, finding like new fun cocktails and new drinks. Take me on a yeah, walk. Talk about, uh, let's, let's pause there. Talk about something that you, um, did during, uh, quarantine only because I heard about this from your roommate. Uh, yeah where you guys did a bar hop at home. Is that right? Yeah. Let's take Please pandemic to the next this. level. 
Yeah, yeah. So we did a, we're like, okay, how can we entertain ourselves? You know, me and my roommate, how can we entertain ourselves through the pandemic? So one weekend we're like, you know what? We are making a custom bar hop in our home. So every single room, whether it was the living room, <laughs> the patio, the bedroom, the bathroom, the kitchen, like let's go as far with this as we can was a different theme. And we had different signage and it was a full thing, a different theme, a different cocktail and a different like appetizer. And we absolutely had, oh, and different music. So you'd walk yeah. in it would be like a full takeover of like, you know, Margaritaville was like one of our bedrooms, right? And you have, um, you have chips <laughs> and salsa, you have your margarita, you've got Jimmy Buffett playing in the background, like <laughs> just absolutely so funny. So we did that. And I mean, highly recommend, I think it's fun, but maybe stick with all the same alcohol because it does get a little dicey towards the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> at least the ride home is easy, right? That's the good thing. Exactly. So yeah, at least right. I'm going from like my club and my kitchen to then my bedroom and we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse, a lot of fun there. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Before we let you go, I want to hit you with our fast five. It's five quick questions. Just looking for your, your instant response. First up, what was your very first concert? Oh, got to be at least Britney Spears or NSYNC and you guys are going to laugh because it wasn't even that long ago, but yes. <laughs> and I was probably like five, so. How about your favorite concert? Ooh, I would say probably Justin Timberlake. I think he puts on a crazy good show and I'm obsessed with him, so yeah. that also helps. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned, you mentioned, you know, planning your meals and when you go somewhere and having fun stuff, what's your absolute favorite guilty pleasure meal okay well i'm gonna give you guys two things one i can't stop eating sweets so i have at least like five sweets a day it's terrible and i also am made up of like 70 percent pasta i will not stop eating. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last great album you listened to that's a great question i think it's probably shoot I have like albums from all over, but I think it would probably be, oh, I only say this because I just went to Coachella and this is like an eon ago, um, but Big Sean's Finally Famous album. I love that album. And it's like so back in the day, but I'm like, <laughs> I will, it's the only CD I still have in my car. So that, if that goes, okay. the <laughs> there you go. Last question for you. What, Jesse, what's your theme song? So there's TV cameras that follow you all around, document your life. What is the song that plays over the opening credits to the Jesse Armstrong show? Okay. I think this is going to throw you guys a little bit, but it would be Breezin by George Benson. Wow. Mm -hmm. Unexpected, but I, that's, a, that's a jam. It's such a jam. I love that song. <laughs> I grew up listening to all the oldies and all this jazz, like, Trust me, anything from the 50s to the 80s, I've got those words on lock. So George Benson all the way. Yeah, so if people want to reach out to you or learn more about uh, Thrill One or Nitro Circus, uh, give us all the plugs. Yeah, so myself is Jesse Armstrong, pretty much on anything. Um, Jesse, J-E-S-S-I, just for those of you who don't know. Um, and then Thrill One, we've got handles for all of our different properties. So at Nitro Circus, at Street League Skateboarding, at Nitro Rallycross, at Thrill One, um, we've got it all. So find us, find us wherever. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for the time today. It was really cool to kind of do a deep dive and learn a little bit more of uh, all the magic that you do there. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it.
Yeah. And a, a big thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paula Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venue Land is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing Strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.